down. So is the liner. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really soft. Get on. Oh no, no, I, <laughs> I gotta go help with dinner. <laughs> Did you hear that? It was exactly individually wrapped springs, top quality. Hey, I could do aerobics over here, and you wouldn't feel it. I bet I wouldn't. So Zach, would you say you're open to new things? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Oh, Anything yes. else to say, Greg? Yes. <laughs> I have other things to say. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this is a podcast. It is a podcast, yeah, we've established. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're talking about movies. Movies. I like to build up the suspense yeah. about what movie it's going to be. But I missed I re- the title of the episode, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized. Although it is one of those ones, to be fair, I've mentioned to a few people today, they're like, oh, what are you recording today? And I say, go. And they say, what? Go. What's go? And then you say, Katie Holmes. I'm like, oh, yeah. Katie Holmes, other people. Brecken Mayer. Yeah. He's a bit part. Yeah. Tay Diggs. He's around. Tay Diggs is is a champ. I like Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. He's a highlight in this movie. Tay Diggs. And Sarah Polly. Polly. I didn't know She's a delight. Scott Wolf, Jay Moore. Scott Wolf, Jay Moore. That they, they guy. Were, they were very 99. And that guy, we'll get into that guy. What's his name? What's that guy's name? I've forgotten already, but he's such a I legend. I always forget his name. Is it Michael? William Fitchner. William. Fickner. He's a fascinating specimen. Absolute legend. Specimen's a good word because we want to study him. Right. Okay. So this is the movie we're doing. Yeah. Go. 99. April 99. So we missed its 20 year anniversary by a few months. But Melissa McCarthy's in this? So this is one of my topics. This was a big, this was Melissa McCarthy's big screen debut. Who who is she in this? I'm just flicking through IMDb. So when Scott Wolf and Jay Moore realize they're both cheating with the same person, they go to that (gasps) apartment. She's the girl, the the housemate. And she is. That was one of my first memories of this McCarthy? movie. I thought she was fucking hilarious. I'm sure you agree. That was a great little scene. If if um, good old Willie Fickner wasn't in this, she would be up there for MVP. Do you want to play the clip? I'm going to play the clip. You play the clip. Is Jimmy here? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll call you back. Jimmy's not here right now. He went to this thing. (laughs) I'll go get it. You you two do know, don't you? We know. Oh! (laughs) I take no responsibility. I was only an innocent bystander, but there was this one time. You guys, you missed each other by like three minutes. I don't know that we can play the clip without the beautiful visuals. The The visuals are special, yeah. Maybe this wasn't the big break, but this is the thing that led to the big break. It's not a break. This was her big screen debut. She might have been discovered. She was discovered, kind of. But the film is Go. The year was 1999. The budget was $20 million and the gross was $28.5 million. Not a great return, Greg. No. Not a great return. 
What did the uh, what did people think of it? So this is the interesting thing. This was much more critically acclaimed than I would have thought. Had ninety one percent of Rotten Tomatoes, uh, with critic score audience score seventy eight percent. Friend of the show, Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're trying to grasp the sentiment at the time of the critics, Roger Ebert's a good a good yardstick. Yes. When we're talking about a movie that's 91%, which is unexpected from my point of view, and about you, Greg, but it was unexpected from me. 91% is really high. Yeah, it's, it's high. A lot of the movies we do don't get to 91%. No. And um, so Roger Ebert said, Go is entertaining, a clever black comedy that takes place entirely in Tarantino land. Go has great energy and wit, and the performances are right for the material, especially Sarah Polly, uh, who thinks fast and survives harrowing experiences, and Fichtner, the cop who is remarkably open to new experiences. Um, no lies in there. That's all true. That's all accurate. But I was surprised to hear that Ebert liked it. I mean, I think, should we should we talk about the elephant in the room in the Tarantino-esqueness mm. of this picture? Mm. I think that is the main thing with this movie, right? This came out in 99. Pulp Fiction came out in 94. This is a non-linear storytelling thing. Three distinct stories with uh-huh. overlapping things. Like, it invites the comparison, right? We have to talk about it. Mm. I think at the time, this was Tristan wanting to be a film director in his prime. And so I had a I had a bit of an issue with this movie from the start. You're like, could have done that. Well, uh, not at that level, but close. Like, well, it's kind of like the uh, the poor man's Tarantino or the the teen version of Tarantino. You know, like it wasn't quite there. Mm. And I know it's slightly different, but Lockstock had a similar pace about it. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And it was, you know, your your average non criminals trying to navigate a criminal world. It's kind of very ninety nine in that sense. That was a, very much a trend. Yeah. And then you throw in the drug scene yeah. and the rave scene and you got peak 99 happening. Yeah. <laughs> but certain films nailed that better than others. Yes. And this, which we, I think it's a, it's a separate point. But this but kind of. Well, for me, it's a related point because my personal context, I watched this movie. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember watching this at a friend's house on movie night. We watched this and Human Traffic in the same night. Oh, you didn't? On video. In the same night? In the same night. Because Human Traffic came out at least... A year before this, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I hadn't heard of it. My friend hired it. Check. I, it might have been the same year. I don't know. It might have been we, the same um, year. But I always thought that this was a Hollywood In video hiring traffic. years, that's the same year. They were probably both overnights. Maybe one was a weekly. Who knows? Human Traffic's 99. Yeah, there you go. And so I think, I mean, I'm going to get a little bit more into the depiction of drugs in film. Human Traffic is probably more realistic than this one, but it's definitely of yeah. that same it era w- of like, the emerging 90s rave scene and ecstasy and all that shit. Well, yeah, it's it's Hollywood slash cinema catching up Yeah, with... Exactly. And, yeah, human traffic's a, a pretty poignant depiction. Yeah. Clever, yeah. funny. But I don't know how that's accurate. aged either, though, because that's very stylized too and, like... I think it... Well, it'll be in limbo because it's a 99 movie. What do we talk about with... American style, Pie. Just, the, like, stylistically, they're in limbo. It's an awkward phase. They haven't... Yeah, earlier 90s. Is, we haven't is, come to appreciate the 90s aesthetic so much yet, especially the late 90s. Late it's 90s. almost 2000. Yeah. yeah, the early 90s is, is, bad. is doing we're well. Good. Yeah, we're good. But, yeah. Yeah, Not I this. mean, so, yeah, for me, this was a double feature when I saw it. So it was those two movies. That's fascinating you watch those two together. Yeah. I'm not sure what the decision-making was behind that. Pete saved them, if you're listening. Well, like, yeah. Watching I mean, my friend's house in Lane Cove, he chose them. Lana Covey. Lankovay. Yeah, and it was a big deal. I, and I, yeah, I do remember though thinking, even at the time, 
Oh, it's a bit of a Tarantino ripoff, though, isn't it? Which actually, I've I've become less uh, harsh on Tarantino ripoffs. Little, just in terms of this movie being a Tarantino ripoff, oh, well, ripoff. We'll get in. We'll get into more of that. But also, Katie Holmes. I think Katie Holmes was a, a big part of my puberty. Like this, this was a big deal. So where was she in her? I guess career. So she, when she auditioned for this movie, they'd only shot the pilot of Dawson's Creek. So when she auditioned for the movie, she wasn't famous yet, but people could tell this person's probably someone. But when we saw it, it was probably season one of Dawson's Creek, I suppose. Yeah, that's fascinating. Because if if you had asked me before we watched this, same, how do these stack up? I would have said, oh, she did this after Dawson's Creek ended. Agreed. And this was that's her, what like, I thought. This was I, her totally anti Joey Potter. Almost trying. This is her Miley Cyrus moment of like, I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah, but apparently not the case. I'm also, in Dawson's Creek, they're all like thirty. You know, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for my life to be over. What about you, Greg? When did you watch this? Uh, well, I, yeah, I would have watched it probably if not at the. Mo- it was a pretty big movie when it came out, wasn't it? Well, apparently not because it it barely made its money back. Well, if I didn't watch the movies, I definitely. Watched it straight away. On so it's become a bit of a cult thing since, but yeah, it wasn't it, huge. I thought it was culty at the time. It was wannabe. For me, I remember it being in my head like a wannabe version of Human Traffic. That's right. what I remember thinking. And that was probably the sequence of you seeing them too. You probably saw Human Traffic first. Human Traffic first. This was probably, I was. I would say I was a participant in this uh, cultural wave, yeah. shall I say? Yeah. Home nightclub. I never went. You never went well, to home nightclub. You're, you're two significant years older than me, I think. Carol went. Oh, but by then it was an Asian club. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a thing. That was a thing. What was it? What was it called? Um, Sublime. Sublime. Yeah, that was a thing. I never went though. I used to go on Saturday nights. I was extremely late to the scene. I was still. I was still wearing my Jordans, trying to get into R and B clubs. Ah, was, yeah. nice. You're up on George Street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unsuccessful. Or, or Casino, The Cave. Were you at The Cave? Cass- uh, uh, oh, I think we went there. Cave? Ended up at Brooklyn Bar a lot. Oh, that was good. I yeah, there's always ended a fight. Did it? Usually not with us, but there was always a massive mm, fight. I was too happy to. It's a bunch of angry men. Yeah, Brooklyn Bar was good. Yeah, Brooklyn Bar was great. Great music. A lot of Montel Jordan. Uh, so, yeah, man, that's that's where it, I think that's how I remember it. And, yeah, I think I had uh, a significant crush on Katie Holmes. Like Katie every... Holmes was a big fucking deal, man, huge deal. And then now her mouth annoys me because she yeah. talks out the side of it like Popeye. <laughs> like she had a stroke. Well, that sounds Whoa. harsh to say, but it is a little bit like that. But but also it's just like that's, that's just how she smiles. Like, let's leave the poor girl alone. Oh, no, there's more. Is it how she smiles? She's got a nice smile. No, she does like a half thing. Does she? Like Stallone, kind of. Not like Stallone at all, but, but in terms of it being a half. Isn't oh. that what you were talking about? Oh, uh, just when she does. Yeah, it's the, mm. yeah, the half. You're doing. You're literally doing a half smile. Okay? Am I? <laughs> no. Half is in half of your mouth. Yeah. No, I get the. I get the idea of half. So what, what's the uh, dispute here? Oh, because I'm looking at pictures of her smiling on the internet now, and she's doing a big full smile. Like <laughs> <At> this. <laughs> all her teeth. Greg's showing all teeth. just for Sitting next to Jamie Foxx. Yeah, that's a whole thing now, isn't it? They've been hiding it for a while. Yeah, just until the contract ended. Yeah. Shall we get into a little bit of that? So here's oh, a little yeah, I interesting think I, thing. I think that's where I headed. Well, there's, 
some I found this is interesting. <laughs> so basically, um, she has great hair. Great hair. She's so great specimen. She's a lovely, lovely human. So I'm going to play two interviews, Greg, mm-hmm. and look for a common theme between these two interviews. This is 1999, mind you. The year is 1999. The year is 1999. She's not married a certain Scientologist yet, but listen to the banter that comes out in 1999. Great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. You know what's amazing? Uh, I should know better, but I've seen you uh, on on Dawson's Creek. You have no idea how tall you are. You're very tall in person. I know I am. I'm... I come from a very tall family. My brother is like six five, and but you're nine feet high right now. Yes. People can't tell. I am. I'm very yeah. large. Yeah. No, it's very tall. Large. Is what's that? Now I know there, are guy. A lot of guys like to be tall. Women don't often like to be tall or too tall. Right. Do you like it? I like it, but um, it's kind of. I I sound shallow, but I like to be with somebody who's taller than me. Really? I like to. <laughs> No, okay, yeah. And I'm, gonna... I'm 55 years old. I'm like, interesting. Uh, no, no, but do you like, so would you say if, if there, you kind of like the guy who was like 5'5", five, five, would you be like, no way, and you know, you wouldn't do that, I would hope. No. Many women have done that to me, and I, I think it's think wrong. So. Yes, they, high school, I... it was a freak show. Nice to have you with us again, and as I said, you're, you're taller than I remember, and I watched this uh, movie, the Go movie, and in that, uh, I have in my mind that you're a shorter woman, but you're not at all. No, I'm, I'm pretty tall. In fact, when I started in this business, I felt like this huge, big giant because everyone is so tiny. Yeah, that's right. It's embarrassing. But you know, you, you hit upon something uh, interesting. They're, they're tiny, and I think that's why many of them go into show business because they're driven by that physical uh, uh, insecurity. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mom. Like uh, uh, Tom Cruise, for example, the tiny man. Again, yeah. Pretty boy Tom Cruise, tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny man. And uh, Sylvester Stallone, <clears throat> whenever he's on the show, which is not often. You're way taller. We, we have to put like a little, a little booster seat for <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. So I, I call conspiracy theory. That's weird. This is 1999. She hasn't even met Tom Cruise yet. They're, they're talking about her height. Letterman's literally talking about Tom Cruise. Well, he's a generic short guy. Did you just Google it? She's 5'7". She's not that tall. So what is all this banter about? She's 175 centimeters. That's more than 5'7". Well, well I, once I got that, I Googled what's... <laughs> what's <laughs> I, I, 170, well, I'm 182 and I'm 5'11 and a half. Okay, Google what's 175 in feet. 5'7'4". Yeah, so there you go. That's not that tall. No, it's quite short. Yeah, so what? It's so weird, isn't that weird? They're making comments on the height, like you're really tall, and it's come up. It's very weird. What's your conspiracy theory? Be- well, it's just well, I don't know what the conspiracy. I don't know what the purpose of the conspiracy is. It's weird. It's just weird because Tom Cruise is five six or five five, which is uh, we're talking inches here. She that's we're talking. I mean, she's taller for sure, but she's not like crazy tall. How tall is Carol? About that. Yeah. No one will go, whoa, slow down here, tall person. Well, my family do because they're short. <laughs> really? <laughs> you met my mum or my sister? No, I would imagine them being quite tall. They are not. Really? My sister's not really five foot. Really? Mum's not really five foot. No. Yeah. Oh, bless them. Yeah, I'm like a foot taller than them. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. That's lovely. Um, should we talk about Go and how did Go came to get going? Yep. Yeah, let's do that. And Go. Go. This one was more interesting than I thought it would be. There wasn't a lot on the initial places I usually look, and so we had to dig. Like so the internet? There's a writer, the, the old internet, the net, as it was known back then. Um, Tim a writer named, by the name of John August, who went on to really massive things. This was his first movie, the first movie he wrote, but he went on to Charlie's Angels, he went on to Big Fish, he went on to Frankenweenie. He did a bunch of Tim Burton movies, basically. Um, which Charlie's is, Angels is a Tim Burton no, movie? No, no, uh, Big Fish and Frankenweenie and some others. And uh, Charlie's Angels. This was his first script. It actually started as a short film called X. And this was him a bit like we talked about the Gremlins guy. Remember the Gremlins guy? He wrote a spec script that was Gremlins, but it was really about just trying to get attention in the industry and trying to get notice. Same with this guy. He wrote X as a short film. It was basically Ronner's portion of the story. So Sarah Polly's, that portion of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. This was inspired by his local supermarket and just wondering what these people get up to day to day. Let's write a movie about that. Stories he's heard from circles of friends, yada, yada, yada. Um, but as he wrote that, people were like, well, what? the characters we see in this movie are in there. So Simon's Vegas trip. People wanted to know what happened there. People wanted to know what happened with the two guys asking for drugs in the supermarket. So he expanded on those stories too. The way he describes it is, it's fundamentally a story about what it's like to be 20 years old, a bunch of wild stuff happens, but then at the end of the day, you pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go back to work. It's very much of the age. All the things that happen in there, they aren't things that happen to me, but they're carefully curated stories of things that happen to friends of mine. I don't know any hitmen in real life, but I know all these people in this movie. That thing about starting with a short film, does that sound familiar to you, Greg? It should, because that's Pulp Fiction, right? Pulp Fiction started as one short film script and then another short film script, and then they all merged yeah. together to become three stories, right? And that's not the only thing this film has in common with Pulp Fiction, obviously. This ended up being a non-linear story being told too. Um, so this is the same way Pulp Fiction came about. So when you look at it in that way, you can argue, okay, this whole non-linear storytelling thing came about relatively... Organically? I guess, I guess. I mean, this is all explained in hindsight, so who the fuck knows? But I can I can get behind that. I'm like, okay, I yeah. kind of see, I kind of see how that could happen. Until you watch it as a movie, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm sure we're going to do that more. But this script gets rejected from all over the place. They the executives said they liked it, but they we can't make this thing. It's interesting, but we can't make this. this is not a this is not a thing for us to make. Um, there's a company called Banner Entertainment, which is a small production company. They decided to get behind it, and I think they had finance coming in from just global whatever, and they had independent movies work. I think you just get like actual individuals to invest. I guess. Um, I don't know. And so they got to a $3.5 million budget. They get a director on board, Doug Lehman. Lehman? Lehman? Ah, from Lehman Brothers. Yeah. But this is where a little plot twist happens because I did not realize. I thought John Favreau directed Swingers. Wait, what? Did he not? He wrote it, and it was directed by Doug Lehman. So Doug, the first movie of Doug Lehman was Swingers, and this was his second movie. Ooh. So he's gone on to make uh, the Bourne movies, Edge of Tomorrow, 
Fair game for which he was a finalist for the Palm Door. So this guy's legit. He's done some good shit. Fair game. Edge of Tomorrow was really good. Did you watch Edge of Tomorrow? It's better than you would expect the it to Tom be. The Tom Cruise one? Yeah, it's good. It's good, Live, man. Live, die, repeat? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good picture. Seems to be good mates with Tom Cruise. Yeah, because he did the last one too. Maybe Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise met at Doug Lehman's house. That could be the connection. Maybe he's a Scientologist. We're speculating here. Okay, but We're the point... Speculating with facts. <laughs> Greg, the point is, <laughs> this Go guy on. was hot. Off the back of Swingers, big deal. Big hit in the end of scene. He was offered to direct a whole bunch of shit. And he was about to sign on to direct Heartbreakers. Heartbreakers was that mother-daughter con movie that ended up becoming, you remember? I've, yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney right Weaver and Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. And then this project came across his desk and he's like, fuck, I want to do this kind of shit. I don't want to do like... Some lame shit like that. Sure, it pays well, but I want to. I want to go. I want to do the fun shit. Yeah. So respect for that. He says, "What I saw in Go was a story that was uh, celebrating do crazy shit while you're young. You can get away with it while you're young." So he just kind of fell in love with the spirit of it. Sure, mm. they didn't have a lot of money, but neither did swingers. Let's just fucking do it. Speaking of swingers, though, and we've already drawn the comparison a few times between this movie and Tarantino esqueness, but there is a specific scene in Swingers where they talk about Tarantino movies. Um, I haven't seen Swingers for so long. Neither had I, but this popped into my head as, like, I think they talked about it. I looked it up. It's quite poignant when talking about this movie. No, 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 no. Now, you got to admit that the steady camp shot in Goodfellas was the murder. The, the basement of the, the restaurant. The Copa in New York. Through the kitchen. Yeah, I heard it took them four days to life for that shot. yeah, so in the scene, they, they do the Reservoir Dogs shot. But also the dialogue there, like, Tarantino's derivative, man. And the guy that directs that movie makes something that's been kind of ridiculed as derivative of Tarantino. So that's kind of a weird little plot twisty thing Maybe there. he knew the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably. Well, he did, and obviously. Did. Yeah. But uh, this guy was pretty fucking cool, man. They had no money. I'm just looking at pictures of heartbreakers. Because <laughs> 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 also it's just like, is that, is that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, don't apologize. I enjoyed that. Okay. Go on. But go on. so this guy is a bit similar to Swingers, small budget. This thing, small budget. He was also the DP, the director of photography. He was basically the guy holding the camera the whole time. And because he was on a really tight fucking schedule trying to save money, he's using this camera. I don't know the technical fucking whatever. But it's a camera they often use for documentaries. It hums like a motherfucker. It's so loud that you can't hear dialogue over the top of it. So he had it wrapped up in a snow jacket and he's walking around carrying this thing over his shoulder with a fucking snow jacket. People talk about it like, oh yeah, shooting with that guy, it's like uh, dancing with a Yeti or whatever. Like it, this was some some scrappy shit, some yeah. scrappy filmmaking. 
like this is us podcasting you know yeah, what i mean right. it's like <laughs> it's like that time you you had your mic stand sat in a foam roller like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is scrappy this is scrappy filmmaking yeah. um so uh, respect to this dude man he could have made heartbreakers made a lot of money he's he's in there making fucking indie movies and being scrappy like that's pretty fucking cool yeah in terms of casting apparently christina ricky was considered for the part of Ronald. wait did you say christina ricky what do you say richie oh i don't know let's double c i always thought it was richie i just always i never i don't think i've said it out loud before you've never said her name out loud maybe not i don't know should we resolve this yeah Richie, yeah, yeah, man, you are fucking wild, man. Christina Ricky? I said Richie. You said Ricky. You? <laughs> I feel like I, if I committed to that, I could have. Yeah, like, you had me. Uh, so say, Christina Ritchie was. So like I said, Christina Ritchie, she was considered me. for the part of Rona, who's uh, eventually played by Sarah Polly. But Sarah Polly was well establishing herself as an indie darling at this point. But what else she was, has she been in? She was in a bunch of stuff. I didn't actually write them all down. She, I mean, post this, she was in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Ah, yes. Yeah, that was uh, a great That's picture. a great movie. Yeah, and she went on to re- direct things. Like I might watch that again soon. Is that oh, any of the S-Vots? Oh, it's probably out of our era, yeah. Is that in any of the S-Vots? I've seen it floating around, and it was when Zack Snyder was still doing good shit too. Yeah. Uh, but, um... She's great, man. Yeah. And so she was apparently up and coming in the indie scene and she was not interested in this movie whatsoever. They eventually convinced her there's a long, boring, like, Hollywood story where they try and make it interesting of how it came about. They convinced her is basically all it is. So she's in uh, Timothy Oliphant. Ah, uh, yes. He's great. The drug dealer in this with his little dice tattoo on his Yeah, what's, what's he big in? So he's been in Deadwood on HBO. Yeah. He's in um, Santa Clarita Diet. He's in a movie that I, I'm going to look him up. I think he's in Charlie's Angels 2. He's, I really like him. He's Scream cool. 2? Uh, Scream 2, not Charlie's Angels. Hitman. Hitman. But no, what's the other one? What's Justified. The, um, that's a big one. But yeah, he's great. Have you seen him on Conan? Nah. He's fucking he's great. He's 51. Yeah, he doesn't look it. He's a great Conan guest. You know how you have those good Conan guests? They've become mates in real life, and they just there's great bands out. He just you know makes, he married his college sweetheart. Yeah, and he, seems, he seems like one of those. They're dudes. still together. Yeah, he seems like a great guy. Um, I'm a big fan. Anyway, we'll get more into that. Katie Holmes, obviously, in it. We mentioned that before. Everyone else is auditioning. Apparently, every kid in Hollywood was auditioning for this shit because it was a hot script. And so Brecken Myers in talking about his fucking audition and his. Goes into the waiting room and fucking Scott Kahn's there and like all the people of that kind of age in that era are all just there auditioning for this movie. Obviously, the people that get cast get cast. So we've got Breckenmeyer, we've got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Scott Wolf. Scott Wolf, Tay Diggs. We've got, um, we've got Budget Keanu. Um, we have a few, a few others. Elaborate on Budget Keanu. Budget Keanu is a man named, um, James Duval. He was also in Independence Day. He's in Donnie Darko. I'll post it on Insty, a side-by-side, and you'll be like, yeah, he's... he's uh. Yeah, no. But he is 100%, because even the way he talks, it's so Keanu. 100%? 100%. Yeah, look, uh, I Do you don't not know. see it? Or you honestly don't see it? Not so much. This is like a Will Ferrell slash drummer of Red Hot Chili Peppers scenario. Like, it's it's there. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do look the same. <laughs> It's there. It's there. 
Anyway, he's there. We'll put that on Instagram. Greg's not convinced, but tell him he's wrong, people. Right. Um, Let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. Let's All keep right. this show snappy. Our, our fans want it to be snappy. What else happened? Tarantino's River, Christina Ricci. Okay. Started as an indie, right? As I said, started as an indie. However, they lost their investors because they didn't have a a big white star attached. A big white star. Apparently, that was... As the, in a white person. Apparently. But they are white people throughout this movie, so I'm not sure why they specified that in the article I read. But um, apparently... Columbia, Were you reading, like, the clan daily? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it just meant stars, and because they're mostly white people. I know, but yeah. it just sounds so racist. It's a weird thing that well, yeah. It. Well, a if it is racist, but b they're all white people, so I don't There's really no get black that. stars in it either. Sorry, Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, you're up and coming. It was up and coming. It's fresh off the back of rent. So Columbia picked them up and said, Very "Hey, handsome. we'll give you the money to make this fucking thing, and we'll treat it like uh, indie." And that was mainly because of Sarah Polly. They were like, "She's fucking a thing. Like, let's invest behind her." So it got real scrappy in the making of it. Doug Lehman, the director, was like, because they wanted to cut out a lot of the shit due to budget, like all that shit in Vegas with the car chase and stuff. He was like, no, let's prioritize that because if we're going to do it, we've got to do that properly. And so to make money for that, he had to save money in other places, hence the fucking snow jacket over the camera and all that shit I mentioned yeah. before. So he got super creative with this budget. We love a beautiful constraints on this podcast and we respect that. And... The No Doubt song, apparently, was written for this movie. What's the No Doubt song in it? It plays in the closing credits, I think. Yeah, I probably turned it off by then. Yeah, he would have. But that's the movie. The movie got made. It all happened. It was received well. Didn't make a lot of money. But should we play the trailer? Yeah, hit it. So what are you up to tonight? We're going to this party tonight, this warehouse thing. Some sort of rave thing. Is this going to be cool? Yeah, I guess. Does a British guy still work here? He went to Vegas for the weekend. The British guy usually hooks us up. Let me see what I can do. Give me a number. I can't believe you're selling allergy medicine. Oh, we're out of that. We're down to chewable aspirin. I think I feel something. It's really smooth, isn't it? What do you want for Christmas, Claire? We just kissed a little, okay? Hello, he's a drug dealer. He's a good guy. Oh, he's the good drug dealer. Listen, I just want to make a deal here. Can we make a deal? For you, Monty Hall. Spread it out! Oh. Now watch what I do with his wrist. Back down like that, ah. You know, I watch all these cop shows, and they never do it right, ever. From Doug Lyman, the director of Swingers, Tay Diggs, William Fickner, Katie Holmes, Brecken Meyer, Jay Moore, Timothy Oliphant, Sarah Polly, Scott Wolf. You know what I like best about Christmas? Mistletoe? The surprises. When there's nothing to do. So sad. Would you say you're open to new things? Accept what you've done. Is your British ass happy now? When you've gone too far to stop. There's no body, there's no crime. Put her in the trunk. Stop! What? Stop it! What? It's a Miata! This spring... Yo, man, I told you, my mother's mother's mother... Your mother's 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 uh, it was a tale of various moments. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? 
kind of three movies. I get that it's intentionally three stories, but yeah, some of some parts of this movie suck. Yeah, uh, and are contrived and very lame. contrived. There's that's that's a key word I had throughout. Yeah, and then there's other bits that are sweet, sweet notes of awesomeness. Yeah, man, that I'd forgotten about. Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah. so and they don't they aren't the first bit. So yeah, I think you start watching it. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cringe. Oh. The drug. Okay, so I'll, I'll get into it if 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 it's yeah, okay. Let's do it. The treatment of drug culture and how they try and I guess uh, what's the word I'm looking for. This is my main issue with the movie. Yeah. Um. So, like we're saying, this is in the era of train spotting, human traffic. This guy has popped one pill of ecstasy, and his reaction to that drug is just whatever's convenient for the plot. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> one minute he's stoned. But he's kind of hallucinating. He's hallucinating. This is just not a... I was looking at lists of the most accurate representation of drugs in movies and stuff, and human trafficking was up there. And this wasn't even on there. It just <laughs> feels like... And there's there's lots of this kind of thing throughout the movie where it's just like, what's convenient for the plot? These plot contrivances to make it a thing. The other thing that really bugged me, very similar to the drug thing, we'll come back to the drug thing, but the way they engineer the word go to be meaningful throughout it yeah and go. like yeah he's like go and then there's that guy has the threesome and she's like did you go no one says go it's like did you come you don't say did you go like there's just things it just no one would say that and so it just feels that. it feels very forced to yeah. say did you go and there's also like why would you get tv actors to become undercover <laughs> that doesn't make any sense <laughs> what kind of strip club has a code word for a lap dance which is completely legal especially a seedy looking one like that you just say give me a private show you don't say so, yeah, I, yeah. Want a, I want a bottle of champagne like context so th- is in they go into a strip club and the guy's like saying to the there's two guys going in there's the sensible and smart, there's so much setup guy. to it yeah. yeah and then there's the the dumb bumbling englishman it's like now you don't ask for champagne that means a private show means a private show though Meanwhile, they're off the side of a highway here it's in a Nevada. Ghetto. It's a it's a terrible strip club. Yeah, and even the classiest of strip clubs I've heard, <laughs> you do not have to ask for champagne in the lap dance. Like this is not a. This is what I mean. There's like a lot of things in this movie. The drug one being the main one, where it's just it's like they've got a cool idea and they have to come up with some contrived plot to get there. Yeah, like wouldn't it be cool if the cat talks to him? Okay, so ecstasy does that now. You hallucinate and talk to cats. That's just not a realistic. Uh, extension of this idea like there's no organic way to get there you have yeah. to put in these things that get you there that don't make any sense it's about it's like it was written by a nerd who had never been to a script club and never had a yeah pill yeah yeah exactly and these things it's not like if it was just one of nerd. these things you'd let it go but it's just like there's enough of these throughout the movie that just takes you out of it yeah and i think that's what the ultimate flaw in this movie again if you're going to do non-linear storytelling in this way, you're inviting comparisons to things like um, Pulp Fiction. And if you're going to put yourself in that ball game, you have to be able to fucking back it up with like logical, tight dialogue. You can't just have these plot contrivances in there to like get to something you think's a cool scene. Like it just, it's, yeah. And that's like it's the worst parts of the movie. Yeah, they, and they are the worst parts of the movie. And actually, when it's not doing that, in saying that. A lot of that is in the Vegas part, which I think if you take the Vegas part out of the movie, you got a better movie, man. If the third story was the um, more of the co- more of the cop, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
if the third story was more of the confederated goods, <laughs> we're in business, man. In fact, so make the whole story good. about that guy. Should we talk about William Fichtner? Let's go straight into I mean, we've totally skipped initial thoughts, but maybe we we'll use those as wrap-ups. We'll no, use those we'll as wrap-up points, maybe. Yeah. Fuck it. So, man, this is one of those guys, and I've got to say, this is probably one of his best performances. Like, I've seen him in so much, and re-watching this reminds you of what a gem he is. And it, when I say the name William Fichtner, you're probably like, who the fuck are you talking about? If, if you see a picture, you know who we're talking about. If you've seen Go, this is the undercover cop who's trying to sell Amway to these other cops. He's kind of gay, and it's all very confusing and strange. His wife is a fabulous Jane Krakinski. She's lovely and equally oddball. She's uh, she's well, uh, originally famous from Mally McBeal, but probably more famous from 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Yeah, she's, she's the, great at 30 Rock. Um, she's the crazy uh, starlet, crazy aging starlet. Diva. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but his scene in this movie, his little storyline in this movie, is gold. Perfect. Yeah, like this could stand alone as a short film, and we don't usually play long clips for the movie, but like this one has to be played, so I'm going to put it on. Like, what an absolute gem! More wine? Uh, no, uh, he doesn't want any more un- unless he does. Do you? No. No, thank you. No, thank you. Sure. <sighs> Look, uh, Burke. This this is uh. This is really great. I mean, this is wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I, I don't even know how to say this. I, I'm really sorry, but I think we're going to have to leave soon. Uh, Adam's not feeling well. Huh? I don't. It's true. Well, if you got to go, uh, then I understand. But, well, Irene and I sort of had an ulterior motive for inviting you here tonight. He makes it sound sinister. It's not. No, I don't... She's right. Okay. Okay, you've looked around our place. Where do you think we got most of this stuff? Just guess. Come on. Sears? J.C. Penny. It's actually from Confederated Products. Almost everything in this house is from Confederated Products. From the toilet paper, to the, to, to the candles, to the ham. The, the wine. The wine, the wine. It, even that cologne you liked. You see, Confederated Products is a multi-level direct wholesaling company, which means... We don't just sell the products ourselves. No, sir, you read, Bob. We recruit and manage teams that work under us. Now, Irene and I started eight months ago, and already we're pulling in 50000 a year in revenues. We're the number four distributor in Southern California. You got that one, babe. And by March, we might be number three. Now, as law enforcement officers, Irene and I, we cannot recruit distributors from inside the force. It's against the rules. So what we do is we look for people in other industries. Like the entertainment industry. Uh, wait, wait. You want us to sell Amway? It's confederated products. It's a a different company. It's a different quality of product. He's fucking great. Like, this is a magical scene. This is beauty. Like, this is... Like, Ara was in and out in this movie, and she's like... 
she wasn't a fan. And she was just transfixed <laughs> in this yeah. scene. She was like, what is this? This is great. This is... She was totally on board with this movie within this scene. And I, I can't argue with that. She's fucking great. Uh, I also loved like, the little details. Like, Scott Wolf is in there pouring himself a drink, whatever. <laughs> it's like a gun rack in front of him. Yeah, it's a giant, yeah. <laughs> He's such a fucking oddball, but he plays it so beautifully. And this guy's been in so many movies. Like, he's in at least 54 movies. That doesn't count TV shows. Um, he didn't even want to be an actor. He started in criminal justice and went on and studied acting. He talks about it a little bit here. I was a junior at Brockport and it was the f- second week of school and I got a call from an admissions counselor that said uh, um, I had to come into the admissions counseling office. They said, you're missing a fine arts course. And I'm like, what is, what is that? And they said, well, you have to take one. You have to take like an intro to theater or intro to... I- I'd never seen a play. I, they happened in high school, but I was uh, out in the parking lot. But uh, he said, you have to take one, you have to take one fine arts course to, uh, as part of your core to graduate. And uh, I didn't want to take intro to theater because that was like 400 kids in a lecture room and that was a recipe for sleeping. And, uh, but there was an improv class that, that you could take. And I'm like, what is, what, what's improv? And they said, well, it's, you know, it's improvisation. And I'm like, fine. The teacher's name was Sally Rubin. And... After like a month of taking this class, I was like, I like no background. I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't think the theater department was really ready for me. <laughs> My hair was like this long. and um, But uh, she took me after class one day, asked me to stay after and said, why don't you do this? Yeah. Um, and uh, I said, you should take more classes. And I said, I don't think you can. They're just for theater majors. But she kind of cleared the way for me. So I really is electives for the next two years. I just took the, the theater classes at the college, even though I was still you know, a criminal justice major. And so I just took all the theater classes, graduated, took one federal police exam, got about halfway through it, and I thought, I'm never going to do this. <laughs> so uh, I, moved, I moved to New York. It's pretty cool. This dude studying criminal justice, does it as an elective just because he has to, falls in love with it. He ends up getting a job on a soap opera as the world turns, soap opera. Um, he also does voices in video games now. But also, as, as I talk about this again, when this is not a visual medium, so I should paint a bit of a picture. He's been in Armageddon. He's been in Heat. He's been in Prison Break. He's been in... What else? He's been in Ninja Turtles. He's been in everything. The newer Ninja Turtles, not the older one. He's been in so much shit. Crash. And he's always great. He's always great. He's a scene stealer. Man. The Dark Knight. He's good in The Dark Knight. Yeah, he's the just, opening He's scene. the bank manager. The bank manager. The opening scene. And he's always just so compelling and yeah, great he's... and beautiful. And the strange thing is too, it's like he's got this weird receding hairline that started and then just stopped. Like he's just got a really big forehead. <laughs> it just goes to here. <laughs> it just stopped. Um, but yeah, does voices in video games. He's, he's the kind of actor where he talks about he gets stopped in the street and gets recognized for movies that he's not even in. So <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I loved you in Independence Day. It's like, I wasn't in that movie, but thank you. And he's really about the character. So his thing is like, what I truly get excited about is not the genre of the movie. or the It's about the part. It's about the character. I love characters. And yeah, it's really nice. He talks specifically about this movie um, with great fondness. Doug put that little camera on his shoulder and he, he shot most of it himself, uh-huh. which was really intimate. There's a bathroom scene where we're putting a wire on Scott Wolf and I'm just looking at him and, you know, he's, he's got his 
pants pulled down, his underwear's on, we're putting the wire, and I'm just staring at him going, you work out, don't you? Um, so it was, you know, it was really great because we were just so close. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I've, I just nothing but a lot of really cool memories uh, uh, about it, about it. And, and, and working with Jay Moore, I had to do a scene where I was naked and Jay Moore has to come out of a bathroom and, and look at me and like 18 takes in a row, he walked out and he went, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> after 18 takes, I was like, Jay, walk out of the bathroom. <laughs> missed this plane. I've seen it before. You have one. <laughs> it's a cool movie. It is. I saw it not long ago. And, you know, listen, a lot of films, you know, they get dated. Ghost, not dated. Yeah, you know, it's really <clears throat> cool movie. His scene's not dated. His scene's not dated. His storyline is His, not dated. Yeah. And I'll say the first storyline's not dated too. I think, so take it out of the Tarantino category basically is what I'm saying and put it into the teen movie category. Yeah. It's miles ahead of most of those. True. Yeah. But for me, for me, the... the like it's better than American Pie, right? I would say it's better than American Pie. Uh, I don't know. I'm putting words in your mouth. You may not think that. Uh, no, I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Just in, oh, in my life. In your life. Yeah, yeah I probably had more nostalgia for American Pie, yeah. but watching it, I think it also grew on me throughout the week, to be honest. It's grown on me, but I would say that, for me, the original comparison wasn't to Tarantino. It, it was to more like a human traffic. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so that's that's why I think it falls over a bit in, yeah. in that depiction of, it tries to, um, I guess, capitalise in a Hollywood way. It just exposes all of the faults in the, yeah. in the plot like well that wouldn't happen that wouldn't happen and it was just it, a bit it, it all yeah, falls it was, down yeah. then but but you're in a real tight scenario with that, with that, william there i think like, it's awesome like i it's love so it so good I and he's it. so great man yeah. he's so great he is a huge friend of the show huge friend of the show would love to have him on if you're listening willie that's slick willie for you he uh even scott wolf was pretty pretty damn good yeah too. he played his cut perfectly great. That, that yeah that team uh, one. Jay Moore was good too. We're, we're in a real Jay Moore moment at this point. He's yeah. fresh off uh, Jerry Maguire post SNL. I think it was SNL. Yeah, was he an SNL guy? He was an SNL guy very briefly. He's got a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a dick. He strikes. Well, that, I feel like but that's his persona. That's his too, persona. So I'm not yeah, sure. yeah. But um, yeah, Scott Wolf was really good at this too. I thought. But that whole. I think I only thought of this today as I was really thinking about the movie. Like. What's, I was really trying to distill what's my problem with this movie, and a big part of it is the represent, representation of drugs, but also just the plot contrivances. And I think a lot of those happened in the Vegas storyline, aside from the drug mm, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and the, I, I could forgive the drug part the if that club was the only thing. And just, shooting the bouncer as yeah, if you're just shooting. It's just all like, like th- that whole part just feels meh. But if you are just looking at the first and third part, I'm like, I really like those. I really like the first part quite a bit, mainly because Sarah Polly's great. Yeah. You buy into it, right? You're just like, she's just so good. I don't know what it is. She's so good. I don't buy into it. Well, the, she gives it, she's very, she feels very indie. So she gives it, I don't know, aesthetically and performance wise, she gives it a a bit of indie credential. That's the other thing I thought about. I'm like, is it just the acting that can't deliver? I don't think the dialogue is up there with Tarantino dialogue. <laughs> no, but, not quite. But I'm also like, is it also the performances not delivering? Because when she delivers it, it feels natural, it feels, it feels right, natural, it feels yeah. good. Yeah, like the English, the English guy 
it feels like a fucking pandemic. Well, this is the thing. This is the other part yeah. for the human traffic thing. Right. Because human traffic, are they Welsh? Are they in, why? I think they're in Cardiff or something. I don't know. They're English of some yeah. sort, that ballpark. Wow. Aren't they? British of some sort. But he talks sort. to the camera. I remember that. And I was like, I could be an actor. I could do that. Right. So here we yeah. are. <laughs> going to do this. I'm taking some drugs, eh? Hey, I'm going to do this. going to be lit. Yeah. yeah. Probably he didn't have said lit. Um, <laughs> 20 years ago. But the, you know, you obviously had train spotting even before that. Yeah. So it feels like they try to tap into that train spotting slash. Um, well, it's just kind of all the trends merging. Yeah, on put, him, put, that, put an English guy in. All right, I'm going to make a teen movie. I'm going to make a drug movie. I'm going to make a Tarantino movie. And let's put an English guy in there for good measure. Yeah. I, one weird thing with the English guy, he's already foreign with it. English accent. Why does he put on like a weird <laughs> Irish accent? Irish accent when he's speaking to those American chicks in the elevator. Because Irish guys are sexier. Yeah. Says the seventy percent Irish guy. What about the, what does the thirty percent say? Eighty percent. Eighty percent. Yeah, he had he had no point in this movie. Yeah, it was you. Did, you didn't need that whole story. And like, why did he get a threesome? And if you had a third story that was about Willie Fickner, his Cop story, I'd be so into that, man. I'd be so into that. How into it would you be? So into it. I don't know. Do you have any other big points? How to sum up? Um, no. Yeah. I mean, so we talked about Melissa McCarthy. This is her big screen debut. Yeah, um, which is, I actually didn't notice. Which is crazy. So the writer of this movie. they buddies. They are buddies, but it's a really weird story. So they actually just ran into each other randomly at a coffee shop, and he's like, "You know what? I got a role for you." I got a little clipper that talks about that here. We actually met on the set of Go, which was um, a movie that I wrote that Doug Liman directed, and and she was great. And so I I, I saw her, her audition, and I saw Did her. Did you in the audition room, like in a blur? I think in a blur. I think technically that's where So I actually met. met her in a blur, in a dream. And uh, and then she was great in the actual scene, but I didn't even see you shoot your scene because we shot it like three in the morning. Yeah. And, it was strange. And when, where did I bump into you again? Then I ran into you at co- the Coffee Bean on Melrose, and you said, and I was I couldn't believe that he actually remembered me, like it was a small part. And you said something, you're like, I think I have, a, I have a short that I've written for you. And then my eyes just went to like saucers. I was like, What? And I read it, and that was God. Yeah. Isn't that what happened? That was what happened. So I wrote a short <laughs> film for her because I loved her so much in the movie, I knew I wanted to make something else with her. And so I wrote this movie for her. So he barely even met her in the production of the movie. And, really like and he's her. like, fuck, she's good. He wrote a, a short film script for her called God. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to say that was the thing, but it's definitely part of the story of how she became... I mean, she's fucking great. Like... Yeah, in in a movie that we've just kind of shot on a little bit, there's a lot of uh, there's a few in contention for MVPs, right? Like there's some good performances in here. She's mm-hmm. great. Sarah Polly's great. Our boy uh, Willie's great. Um, Have we shot on it? We, we we've been it's been mixed. I think we've been pretty balanced. Yeah, I think. Well, that's the thing. It's too. ending in the it's ending in the green for me. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't know. I think I watched it probably the I watched it twice this week, and I think I watched it maybe. Last Friday night, maybe. You watched it three times? No, tw- no, no, twice. Like, as in, like, oh, the last seven days. Jesus. But I watched it again last night while I was making my notes, just in the background. And maybe it was the process of making notes and seeing the scrappiness of it getting made, but it really grew on me. Mm. But then I think maybe I think once I isolate the Vegas thing, yeah. I'm, much, I'm yeah. much more on board with it. 
I think um, something I've found as we do our little research the on these watch? movies, I was going to say how actors react and reflection. Like, so when in- actors are interviewed, yeah, talking about playing those roles, yeah. I think I I always find it really endearing, and start to empathise when they like it. Yeah. So there's movies we've talked about where the actors all loved it. You know, I mean, Goodfellas is a bad example because it's an obvious one, but yeah, uh, this. So yeah. you listen to the actors and they're like, you know, they they vibe on it. They had a great time together, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, usually true. it comes through yeah, in I, the I, film I do, anyway. I do, but... I'm, I, I'm easily influenced in that sense too. Mm. You're right. I do try and watch. If I can watch it twice, and so sometimes I'll watch the movie, then do the research, then watch the movie again, and it's like the second watch with the context of watching those interviews where yeah. everyone's like, "We had such a great time making Different this movie," and like, "Yeah, the director did all the camera work himself." You like you watch it with a new um, mm. love for the craft or the backstory or the, the characters, more of a, yeah, a, a meta level of it all. All right, we bring it in, bring it in, bring it home. So I would say. How's it aged? It's a mixed bag, man. I'd say half of it's aged terribly, half of it's aged great. You got the first and last story I think is pretty strong. The 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 portrayal of drugs is pretty weak. Uh, but the performances are pretty fucking great. I don't know how well, how do you feel? That we're in agreement. You're in agreement. I did have a I mean MVP I think it's kind of obvious. I think the way we've been praising him as a beautiful, odd yeah. <laughs> machine. Huge friend of the show. Fickner. Willie Fickner. Fickner fans. We love you. Fickner fans over here. I would say, I think there's room for a reboot for this movie in concept. And they, and they just call it Molly. <laughs> go- goey. Just call it Goey. Yeah. I would be down for a movie in this spirit, a, a TV show in this spirit on Netflix or whatnot. Like five to ten episodes, and every episode is a different person's story. I think that could be kind of cool. Mm. And you don't really get the full picture until you get to like the last episode, kind of thing. It's sort of what Arrested Development did in their last season. Mm. I think there's there's room to do something like that. Don't reboot this script, but I'll be open to it. Yeah, yeah. Rewatch it. Yeah, yeah. You rewatch? I think so. I think just, so. Just for like, oh, what if, if for no other reason than Confederated Goods, man. Yeah, like that, that is special. I rewound that scene. <laughs> like, honestly, that's really something. In it. Yeah. Do you agree? Did you like it? What do you think? Let us know. What do you think? What do you think? What have we got coming up? Federated products. We've got some Van Damme coming soon, have don't we? we? Yeah, Lionheart. Yes, I have been. That has been sitting on. I think I must have earmarked it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, because same, it's sitting there. It I haven't watched it yet. There, and I've been wanting to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, save it, save it, save it. Because now we're entering into that Van Damme territory that's like. Not, it's getting dense now. There's like one every six months or something. <laughs> and there's not. It's not like the. So he's more know, kick, established. Kickboxer, Bloodsport, high like production. The, yeah, now they're like, there's like because Double Impact's only a couple of movies away. I think it's ninety one or something. Ninety two. Ninety two, I from memory, but yeah. If anyone out there can get Van Damme on the show, or that would or be nice. anyone else, or any or any, any other guest, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> Arnie, <laughs> William Fitchner, <laughs> yeah, Fitchner, man, I want him. Get him on the show. I want him. I want him. There's a little Freudian slip there. I'm. Uh, I'm pretty, I will listen to I'm this. Pretty, I'm pretty smitten. Smitten with the Fickner. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a great man. Okay, we're done here. All right. Yeah, hang it up. Good night. Before, good night.